Hey, this is LGBTQ&A. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and today I'm talking to Greg Berlanti, one of the most prolific TV producers alive right now. Greg is the executive producer on shows like The Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, Black Lightning, Riverdale, Blindspot, Deception, the new Sabrina reboot, and even a new series coming out with Ava DuVernay. On top of all of that, he is also the director of Love, Simon, which we start the podcast talking about. You'll also hear us talk about why TV has really outpaced film in terms of LGBTQ representation, and that's something that Greg has definitely had a hand in on his shows now, and even going back to Dawson's Creek, a show that he took over when he was just 28. So all of that is coming up, and then as always, if you like our show, please subscribe, rank us five stars, and leave a comment on iTunes. I ask for this every week because it is so important in terms of keeping our show going and then also helping new people find our show. So big thank you for that. And then don't forget to check out our old home at AfterBuzz TV. They are the number one place for all your TV talk needs. All right, without further ado, here's Greg. Love, Simon is the first major studio movie with a gay teen lead. Yes. It amazes me that it's taken that long. Yeah. Was that part of your desire to see it made? Uh, it was definitely uh, almost as an audience member. Uh, I just experienced it so profoundly when I read the script. And I, I realized pretty soon thereafter that part of that was just not having experienced it in quite that way, that story in quite that way before. Uh, and then I, I felt like it was kind of my responsibility as a storyteller a to get it right but b as someone who's had a lot of blessings in his life because he came out and spoke about those things to try and you know be a part of a story like this to give back yeah i think it's too important to acknowledge that this is comes like a long history of gay teen movies at a smaller scale i'm thinking about like but i'm a cheerleader and pariah even but they didn't have this wide release in the marketing campaign behind love simon which i think is so important so we know these movies exist yes yeah i mean no having having done uh you know a, a movie in the lgbt space before um you know i i think no film like this can come without all the ones that come before it you know, in terms of what the awareness that they provide and the conversation that they provide, the artistry. But there was a, we were still making a, you know, a major studio rom-com. And so we had a different set of rules and expectations. And, you know, with that comes a different set of, you know, comes different marketing and comes, comes the sort of uh, full scale approach. Uh, that you know that you're kind of going to be a part of. Uh, and so it's different expectations. That other LGBT movie you made, are you talking about Broken Hearts Club? Correct, yeah. So in that movie, one character says that there's not a single character in the entire film canon right. that uh, paints a portrait of a gay man you aspire to be. Uh, right. This film kind of presents a rebuttal to that. Yeah, I mean, I think what, with the kind of the, the, the sort of meta-ness that that character was talking about at the time was just saying that there was, you know, not necessarily someone like them while they were actually in a movie that was like them. And that, you know, did it always have to be an issue oriented film to have gay subject matter? And I think this is sort of similar in that way. This, this hopefully, uh, as a movie, you know, many years after people forget that it was the first LGBT, you know, uh, uh, teen rom-com that people will just experience it, you know, years from now as a teen rom-com, uh, and hopefully, a, you know, a good one that moves them. Yeah. And I brought that up too, because that movie was from 2000. Yes. And obviously there are examples now of different gay characters on a screen. Uh, 
although they really are more on TV. They much TV more in television. Film. Yeah, much more in tele- television, I think even network television is more progressive than, you know, not, not art house cinema, which I think has always been progressive, but I think they're than major studio films. I think it's uh TV. I was, I, I remember w- witnessing, if not being a part of that scene, that threshold get crossed years ago and, and seeing all the change that's going to have kept happening since. And, and I think something similar is happening in studio movies. Now there's a sense of, you know, a need for the, on the audience's sake of, of better representation. Yeah. And representation for LGBTQ, like everyone. Why has it been able to flourish more in TV? Do you think? There's more made, you know, I mean, I I think that so, so, and, and so there's more of it. Uh, And so people, uh, you know, I think uh, it's always, it was always sort of, you know, at least again, there was that point, it was at the forefront. I think there were, you know, and then once they started to realize that that wasn't prohibitive, that it was in fact, could, you know, help something be successful by being more authentic and true. Um, I just think there's, a, for whatever reason, uh, I, I'm not in, I don't do too many movies, so I don't know what's the thinking behind, you know, a lot of executives in terms of why they don't. I'm just grateful that the Fox, uh, Fox 2000 and Fox Studios were so open and, and so committed to making a film like this before I even came on board. And speaking of the earlier films, I'm thinking about uh, GBF, mm-hmm. which came out like five years ago. And the director, Darren Stein, has talked about what a fight it was to get that big gay kiss at the mm-hmm. end of the movie, which is in, in every teen movie. Right. Did you have any fights like that to, in this movie? None. Really? No, none. And uh, no, none. And, and you know, I think I've... Uh, it's not spoiling it to say there's a kiss at the end of this rom, you know, romantic comedy. It's and the, the, a character gets their happy ending. I think uh, I've never seen it with an audience that didn't applaud the kiss. And in fact, I had a, a friend who's, uh, you know, uh, uh, o- older than me, gay man. I don't, I don't want to say older because I'm already old and he's a little bit older. Uh, but he said, you know, I, I remember 20 years ago, 25 years ago, whenever he had first seen uh, a male kiss or you know gay male kiss in the uh in in a mainstream film and the audience laughing and how profound it was for him to see the movie and see the audience cheer the kiss at the end and that he never thought in his lifetime he'd sort of see that difference and uh and and i think that's so so even when it like kind of came up in the testing that it made some people uncomfortable i think that it's a it was a good kind of discomfort uh and by test people i mean like just regular audience people you know filling out their cards and whatnot do you remember the first time you saw like a gay character on screen um i remember the gay characters that i so it was always more in tv than it was you know uh uh than it was on film um, I think the, the, I remember seeing, uh, you know, in dynasty when I was a kid, uh, there, there was a show called family that had a storyline that dealt with it. Uh, there, I, it would come up in pockets. I remember there was an after school special, I think that, that, uh, dealt with a kid being gay that, uh, you know, those, those are my first, uh, represent representations on, on the screen. I ask because everything for me was dealt with AIDS and death. Right. And it was just hand in hand forever. Well, you know, I was also, I mean, I was, uh, yeah, and I was, I was realizing I was gay when the AIDS crisis was just starting to happen. And, and, um, I would, I, 
I didn't have access in the small town I lived in. There wasn't the internet and there weren't, you know, even any kind of gay magazines or anything like that, but there was the village voice. Uh, and it was, you know, uh, it was at the local deli and I, I'm sure my parents were wondering why is our 12 year old and 13 year old buying the village voice, but it had, you know, it, it had, uh, pictures of guys in the back on the call lines and things like that. And that was sort of the first kind of access I could have to gay people and then, you know, or pictures and, and at the front of those same pages were, you know, just the scores of men that were being, uh, you know, decimated by this disease. And I remember conflating those things and associating those two things together, thinking like, oh, I'm gay. I know I'm just like these people. And I, does that mean I'm going to die, you know? And, uh, and so when I started to see the gay films you're talking about, the, they would have such a pronounced, they had such a pronounced, they were really the first ones that had that kind of impact, emotional impact on me. I mean, I, I had a longtime companion was one of them and I had it in college and I would keep it hidden on a shelf somewhere and take it out and watch it when my roommates weren't around and sob and cry and cry. Repeatedly. Know, repeatedly, yeah. When you were 28, you took over Dawson's Creek? Yes. I don't know how to phrase this in like a non-rude way, but did you feel ready for that? No. In fact, I try, I, I said no to the job offer really? several yeah. times. So I did not <laughs> it was feel just ready. a big undertaking. No, yeah, I, I denied it. And then the executive, the president of the network took me out to lunch. And, uh, you know, I said, nah, you know, the show's not doing so well. And, and if I, uh, you know, and if the, it goes down, my name's going to be all over. My career will be over right before it even begins. And he very sweetly said to me, you know, Greg, I'm not asking you to do this. I'm telling you that you're going to do it and you're in a contract and, and we're going to, we're going to help you. And so many people at the time really helped me learn how to become a showrunner. It was real on the job training. It was other writers. It was other producers. It was the executives. They all taught me different things. Uh, and I realized just how reliant I was, you know, on other people to lead or, or run a show. And flashing forward to now, you have 10-ish series, um, either on air or in production, ones we know about and not, don't know about. Is that mind-boggling? It's really the same. It, you know, it, it can be overwhelming at times, but truthfully, it's the same kind of, the, the rules are the same in terms of what I was doing, doing one show or, or many shows. You know, it's it's always the, uh, it's always the other people. It's always the fact that, you know, I have so many people I work with that are so talented and, and carry the ball so much of the way that, you know, I get to sort of go in every day and just give my own input to help make things better or my own insight. And a lot of times they don't agree with me and they go the other way and it's just as successful. And I benefit from that. And I'm still learning, you know, from all those individuals that I, that I work with. Oh, so is that why you were able to take the time off to do this movie? Um, that was a big part of why, you know, I mean, I mean, uh, and, and also that I think everyone knew how important it was to me emotionally to be a part of something like this. And they all wanted to help create the space for me to do it. And now that you have all these shows and you're a father and a husband, how does that affect the projects you pick in terms of time away? This was the first time I had to really go away for a lengthy period of time. And, um, our son, uh, was young enough and is young enough that, that it didn't impact his life. So I'm sure that that will become more of, uh, uh, you know, a, a contributing part of the conversation, but it was actually really nice to get out of town for a little bit, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and to be a family somewhere else. I think I'll always have really fond memories of, of shooting in Atlanta, being there as a family. 
Yeah. I mean, I also wonder that um, one of your new series you're doing, Robbie Rogers, your husband is a producer on. Yes. Is that so you can see each other more? <laughs> I think that's probably a big part of why all people in the business work together. A lot of, or a lot of, a lot of couples work together is because, you know, you are so invested in the things that you're doing and spending a lot of time. But he, um, he told me about the story of this young man who had gone on to, you know, who had grown up in South Central and, and went to Beverly Hills High School and uh uh and and then ended up going into the super bowl and winning a super bowl ring uh and uh and i thought it was such an inspirational story and i just sort of said to him in passing you should option those rights that's that's a great show or movie or something because it's it, it's so much about you know someone really surviving two worlds and and he went and did it and then just sort of brought it into our company and brought it into the studio sort of all on his own and uh and then got a pilot picked up this year and i was so proud of him because it was really he you know uh, uh he was doing it for the right reasons and that's the one with tay diggs attached it is too. yeah your uh, your casts and love simon and on tv are really incredibly diverse yeah and i don't think that's talked about a lot but i guess in a perfect world it should just be normal and expected right. Uh, how uh, I'm thinking about a study that I read this week that came out that said 90% of showrunners are white and two thirds of writers rooms are, mm. don't have a person of color. Mm. How diverse are behind the camera? We aim to be as diverse as possible. And, and, and I think that, um, and we're, we are pretty diverse in front of and behind the camera, but it's, it's, there's always, always, I think a, a, a great distance to travel. And, you know, the benefits are, are huge. Number one, you just, you have a better show, you know, if, if, and, and if the, especially if it looks like, you know, if we walk into together into a coffee shop right now, it's not going to be all whites, you know, it's, that's not how the, the, at least the world I experienced doesn't, doesn't, doesn't feel like that. And, and I've never wanted the shows I've been a part of or the stories that I've told to, to feel that way or, or this a film like this. Um, you always want it to be, especially when you're dealing with, you know, when the event is, uh, or the show is centered around real people and, and that that's the, the, the cornerstone of the story. Um, you want it to be as reflective of our society as, as possible. And I think it's true of the workplace, you know? I mean, and even in Love, Simon, there's more than just the one gay kid at the heart of the story. Yeah. And there is this super femme kid in school as well. And he wasn't in the book. Whose decision was it to add him in? Uh, it was mine. I, I, I it was, it was, it was a, a process sort of throughout. I think one element was you know, wanting to make sure that I think there are in, in large enough high schools more than just one kid who happens to be gay. And so we want to kind of blows my mind. <laughs> I know. I know. Exactly. I, I didn't experience that, but kids are now, which is great. And, uh, and so we wanted that element. I also wanted the element of, I remember when I went to college and was still closeted and there were kids in the theater program who were out at that time. And, uh, and I, I envied their courage. And I remember walking around with that feeling of like, how, how come they get to be so open? How do I have that? And I, and I thought that that would be a really powerful thing for Simon to sort of bear witness to. Uh, and then finally driving toward, you know, a scene of the two of them at the end, really framing the two of them and to show the breadth of the LGBT uh, experience and uh, is that, you know, is, is such that it can, you can, it doesn't, there's a lot of variations on it. And, you know, and, and it's as varied as all of us are. And, you know, I wanted that to sort of be said in the movie that they could have so many things different, but also so many things the same, you know. And I think it's true, too, with all of your superhero shows. 
for people listening don't know, you uh, created all of them, <laughs> uh, the DC on CW shows, mm-hmm. and there's queer representation in all of them, which um, didn't it didn't have to happen. Right. You know, so I think like, we're very fortunate that a queer man was involved and to force it. Is that too strong a word to force? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say force as much as gently guide, you know, <laughs> I think I try to, to, uh, you know, uh, and I still think there's more we can do, you know, we don't have any trans superheroes on the show and, and, you know, I mean, I, I think, uh, there's still room for growth. I, I tend to be more focused on what are the ways we can still reflect our society uh, that we're not? Well, my friends who are trans are all buzzing last week because a breakdown went out for Sabrina <laughs> looking for a trans character. Yes, so that's a magical world. There, yes, yes. Uh, it's not our it's not our DC world, but it yeah. is it is a comic book world, and there is a trans character on on that show, and uh, it's uh, and Roberto. Sakasa, who's uh, created Archie or created Riverdale and, and is, is creating that show, is also an openly gay man. And, and it's a really important to him, I think, representation as well. You, everything you do is fairly behind the scenes oriented. Is it weird that the is it weird to have your name and star growing as a name in Hollywood? I, you know, I try to think about all that stuff as little as possible because I think it's so, uh, you know, it it's. I, you know, I, 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 it doesn't change how I experience my day and and I I never want it to, you know, whether even just in the number of shows we're part of, or, you know, you still, I get a joy out of storytelling and, and the key for me with storytelling is, is, is to actually be living and experiencing things and, and how the world perceives you, whether you're, you know, there's plenty of years in the business where I've had years where things weren't working out. Um, and, um, things, you know, were unsuccessful and I tried to sort of quiet the world as much then. (laughs) And so when things are successful or things are working, I try to sort of quiet the world as, as well so that I can just, you know, be in the present moment with the, with the people that I'm lucky enough to share it with. And I mean, speaking of that, do you feel like you are in a like gay public relationship? There's aspects of it that, you know, are, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I still, you know, I, I think in part because, you know, Robbie's famous, you know, to, always, you know, was to, I mean, I go places with him and, and we, I joke that my name is, will you take a picture of us? <laughs> you know? So most of my job is just like snapping photos of him and other people, um, which is not dissimilar to when I'm hanging out with the cast from our shows and things like that. Uh, in, and, uh, so, uh, but there's also things, you know, you know, okay, we're involved with, I'm involved with things that are, you know, of a public nature, but I don't want that to prohibit from how, how maybe I would like, you know, post pictures of my family on Instagram. Like I wouldn't want to limit myself in that way either. And so I thought about it a lot before because I'm a generally a private person, but I thought, well, I also don't want to, you know, I got a kid and, and I'm really proud of our relationship and I'm proud of our marriage and I'm, I'm and I'm and I'm in love with our child to, to pieces and I you know I would want to post as though I were you know had any career or any you know so I don't I try not to prohibit myself from that stuff I just think about representation in real life of real people yeah. and we don't have that many gay couples right to admire and right. look up to right um even which is like so funny to say because I actually don't uh know anything about your relationship right. you know <laughs> It could be going horribly. Right. Um, you're just married. I'm hoping it's going well. Yes. Uh, but it's, so it's weird to admire a relationship that I actually know nothing about other than they're two public gay yeah. people. 
No, I mean, I think Robbie, Robbie and I are, uh, yeah, I know that feeling, you know, I mean, I know that feeling even, you know, when we're thinking of like, well, who are we going to have dinner with on Friday and Saturday night? You know, it's a lot of straight couples that we, you know, uh, there's, there, there aren't, uh, it's, it's, I, but, but now I think there's more, there's more awareness. There's more, uh, part of, part of why we don't have those things is we're both really shy and introverted. So we don't really? just know a lot of people to like have dinner with. Um, uh, and so we'd prefer to just like, I think eat together on the, on the weekends. Um, uh, uh anyway. When you say you don't know a lot of people, that surprises me because you work in on so many shows. I know. But I guess is it different socializing at that top level? I uh, I think if you're an introvert, you're an introvert, you know, and and that is something that both um, you know, Robbie and I have in common. Uh I think we're just inherently uh, you know, I, I think I'm in a business that forces you to be extroverted about things, you know, and, and to um but but our happy place is still at our house, you know, just together as a as a family. And I'm almost out of time, but in the age of reboots that we're in, yeah, do you you've worked on some massive shows in pop culture history. Do you have a favorite show you're hoping to reboot? Um, you know, I mean, the the one I've been asked the most about is is Everwood because we did a, a an event, uh, and I, I uh, about well, less than a year ago now, six months ago, and and. It was the first show that I created and, and, uh, it will always have a warm spot in my heart. Uh, and if, you know, if the other folks that worked on the show, uh, were up for it in the studio and the network and everybody were up for it, I would, I would be up for it just to spend time with them again. So, um, trick question. The correct answer was Jack and Bobby. <laughs> I love that show. I know, but all this cast is off doing amazing things. So I know. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's hard to, uh, get different people back together. You know, that was, that was one of those ones that I was sort of, uh, you know, I think in a digital era would have worked and was sort of surprised at the time that it didn't, but we were blending, you know, American history, uh, and politics with teen drama. And it was such a unique thing. Um, at, at the time it, we, it felt it too, but it, it felt like it sort of more presaged the kind of digital television that we're seeing yeah. since. I have to wonder too if it would work better nowadays since we're yearning for political stuff that is just kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know what you mean. I mean, uh, you know, I, I never, the timing of things, I never, I never know, you know, cause you never know. People always ask me, is this going to work? Do you think, oh, this will be a sure hit, you know, and I've never been in control of that aspect of it. But even but at it, your level, you don't know when it will work or not. Oh, I, I never know if anything's going to work. I think you, uh, uh, I wish I did. I wish I knew who to call. Although if I did, I would never get off that person's phone sheet. I would just be calling them all the time. I mean, there's no way to predict. You put the same as much love and care into all the things and then they either work or they, they don't. And I they kind of assume so you're that pe- person for a lot of people. <laughs> I, I, you know, uh, uh, hopefully I'm the, the kind of individual they just want to keep making stuff with because that's the fun part. Um, but I'm, um, no, I have no crystal ball. In the way that Jack and Bobby had these amazing actors like Logan Lerman and mm-hmm. I guess Christine Lahey was already famous. They've all gone to do A lot of them things. went on to Mad Men. <laughs> oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, yes. Exactly. The, the college professor exactly. guy. Uh, yeah. I like that actor. Yeah. Um, in that way that they've John all gone Stattery. to do big things. Yes. Yeah. I can't help but think that that is going to be the Love, Simon actors too. Like this is the who's who of young Hollywood. That was our goal when we were putting the cast together. I remember all of those high school movies growing up to me had those casts that just, you know, in and of themselves could have all had their own film, their own movie. 
and uh, just the the collaboration and the you know seeing all of them together, and that that's always your hope. Um, you know, when I did Broken Hearts Club at the same time too, all of those actors have gone on to wonderful success, and and that was our hope then, and 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 I hope the same for these people. I have no doubt. And that's our show. If you enjoyed it and haven't already, please subscribe. You can do that on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play. I should say too that this summer I'm going to be biking the 545 miles from San Francisco to Los Angeles with AIDS Life Cycle. We're doing this to raise money for the life-saving services that the San Francisco AIDS Foundation and LA LGBT Center provides. If you want to or are able to contribute, I would absolutely love that, and every little bit counts. I have a page up at tofighthiv.org slash go to slash jeffmasters1. There's also links in the show notes and across all my social medias. Special thank you to our partners at Panoply, our old home at AfterBuzz TV, Elon University in Los Angeles Studio, Jason Humerty, and everyone for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>